previously on Popping Collars. That was like a real Mr. Smith goes to Washington moment, though. It like the thing, that I, the thing that I always love about pop culture and politics is that you're one like stirring speech away from like changing policy in the country, and it never like and no like that's not like that's not how it works, right? That's like Aaron, that's the Aaron Sorkin fallacy. <laughs> yeah, it's the American president, right? Like yeah. all of a sudden, I'm going to convince everyone of my rightness. Well, now that was a compelling speech. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Mr. Rogers, sure, but come on. Bill Pullman? Mm. <laughs> Popping Dollars, the podcast that loiters at the intersection of religion and pop culture. My name is Ricardo Avila, rector at St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Los Gatos, California. With me is my co-host, Betsy Gonzalez. Betsy, where are you and what's going on? Summertime and the living is easy here in the great city of Alexandria in the Commonwealth of Virginia. I serve here as the head chaplain at Episcopal High School and we are still on summer break and savoring oh. every last drop. Also with us is our co-host, Liz Easton. Liz, what is happening in your world? Hey, Ricardo. Um, I'm in Nebraska, where I serve as the canon to the ordinary for the Diocese of Nebraska. And I was at summer camp all last week. Oh, really? Church camp. <laughs> That's... It was intense. It was um, 100 kids, 4th through 12th grade. It was, we had beautiful weather. It was awesome. Today's special guest is a first-timer to the Popping Collars universe, Graham Dobson. Graham, tell us who you are. Hi, uh, Graham Dobson. Uh, I'm in San Francisco, California. I work for the city, and I help fund um, preschool in San Francisco. So I used to be a preschool teacher, and now I give money to programs that do that. Yeah. I've always wanted to be a special guest star. Mm, just like Heather Locklear on Melrose Place. It's totally like a, <laughs> it's totally, it will fit in with my theme around 70s TV shows. Excellent. We always had special guest stars, yeah. This is episode 88 of Popping Collars, and today's topic is perhaps a bit more footloose and fancy-free than usual. Travel and pop culture. Of course, summer is travel season for many. Hence the timeliness, perhaps, of the topic. Unless you were a jet-setting toddler or child, your first <laughs> glimpses of foreign countries and far-off lands were probably through pop culture. Movies, books, television shows, and even music. From Mary Poppins to Downton Abbey, you came to long for London and British culture. Hemingway or Baldwin may have made you pine for Paris. Or maybe watching Game of Thrones brought cravings for Croatia. Whatever sparked your imagination by revealing foreign landscapes, pop culture has influenced your sense of the world and urged you on to travel that may have changed your life. Proust once wrote, the real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscapes, but in having new eyes. So let's start there with this question. What in pop culture has given you new eyes and a desire to visit other lands? Well, I could probably talk for the next hour about this, but it, I think I feel like my whole life was based on 
my uh, exposure to pop culture and where it took me. I'm, I'm British. I'm from the UK. I uh, lived in America for 30 years. As, as early as I remember, I was drawn to all things American for some reason. It just was, it was so different to where I grew up. I grew up in Newcastle in the northeast of England in the 60s and 70s. And America was just so exciting to me. Whether it was comics, whether it was TV, whether it was um, movies that I watched, it was all things American. I just couldn't wait to go there. It was like the it was like the promised land at that time for me. It was everything that all my favorite things were American. What examples? Oh my God! Well, this is so honestly. If people ask you why do you come to why did you come to America to live, I'll say Charlie Brown and Mary Tyler Moore. <laughs> And maybe Charlie's Angels, but it was like it, like Peanuts cartoons introduced me to all this American stuff. It was a cartoon, but they they played baseball and they went to summer camp and they ha- did Halloween things and then they had Thanksgiving, and it was all this stuff that we didn't have in in the UK. So I was learning all this stuff about America through Charlie Brown and Linus and Lucy, and it was just that was my first sort of introduction to to America. I've maybe had the opposite experience of some people that in that I've always been very interested in learning more about the place where I am. When I moved to Nebraska, I read every book I could possibly find about Nebraska and, you know, listen to the music and watch the movies. So, so I think that I'm always interested in kind of drilling down into the place where I am. I think long-term, I mean, I brought them up earlier U2's music got me into Irish history that got me into going to Ireland twice and that, you know, and it's my own family's history. And so like that sort of delve in, right. So I like to take kind of like what Liz does to kind of take the deep dive at home. Like I'll dive in through somebody else's perspective and kind of dig in in that way. Right. Like I love a good character driven, you know, under the Tuscan sun, you know, and then it's like, oh, hello. <laughs> or like before sunrise. And you're like, oh, yeah. Budapest. Okay, great. You know, like those sorts of things. And just when the place is that other character in the romance or mm-hmm. show, mm-hmm. you know, I, I enjoy that because I just like the vision that the director is creating, really kind of placing this in a particular location for a particular reason. Uh, I went to see the movie Reds when I was 15 or 16 with Warren Beatty and Diane Keaton. And it was this big historical epic about the Russian Revolution and John Reed, the American journalist. And it was Warren Beatty and all his handsome, you know, 40s-ish glory. I just, I had no concept of a world outside of Milwaukee and Chicago, hardly. And it blew my mind. It's like, what are communists? What is Russia? What is, um, what is Greenwich Village? And who who is you know who is Emma Goldman and all these other revolutionaries and and that led me to reading Dostoevsky because of Russian literature and when I applied for college you had to write an essay and I literally wrote about how Reds opened up my world and how I wanted to explore more from having been exposed to that and I took Russian lit in translation my first year in college so Russia of, of all places was a big thing because of Warren Beatty's Reds. I mean, I think one of the things of growing up in the UK uh, and being in Europe and having that kind of access to all those different countries was that, you know, I, I, I traveled a lot when I was a student at college and, uh, and from, you know, right from an early age. So I, I did the typical thing and took the, the Euro rail and went all around Europe when I was a student and went, you know, it's like 24 countries in 
two weeks or whatever it was. You know, it was like, you know, if, it, if it's Tuesday, it must be Belgium kind of thing. When I moved to the States, at the end of that trip, I took a Greyhound bus and and rode the Greyhound around uh, all of America for two months. And wow. sort of traveled from city to city overnight on the Greyhound and then would spend a day in whatever city I ended up in and then get on the Greyhound again and then would go to the next place. I did have a few places where I stopped for several nights, but on the whole, I was mostly washing in public Greyhound bathroom station bathrooms and meeting people on the bus and, and wait until the very last bus to get to the next city, you know, at five o'clock in the morning. So it was, of course I was 20, what I, you know, what I, I was 19. So I could do that and sleep you on a bus. You only and, do that at 19. It sounds like you had the movie pass of Greyhound. Like, it, it, it was totally <laughs> like that. You it used to totally be able to that. do that. I, I don't know if you still can. You used to 90s. be able to do that. It was that was nineteen like nineteen eighty. I mean, it was crazy. I was like a young thing, and it just felt like that. It was a thing I could do, and and I did it, and it was amazing. And the people you meet on the bus, and the people that you sit next to, and you get into these incredible conversations, and and, and scary situations, and stupid situations, and you, you're just you're too young to even know better at that stage. So it was, it was an amazing. I look back on that, and it seems like that happened to another person. I mean, I can't even imagine. Even washing my face in a Greyhound bus station now, never mind <laughs> my hair or my body. I mean, it was ridiculous. Traveling by yourself and going away like that and, and just relying on, on you and, and not other people, you, that's the way you get to meet people. That's the way you get to have those conversations. That's the way you get to, to, to do things that you would never do otherwise because you, you're not, you don't fall back on the people that you're with or only talking in English or not making those efforts to really get to meet people and and i had a you know i met so many people during those trips that i wouldn't and then spent time with them and traveled for days afterwards with them and and we we, we you know we then traveled together for a month or or i stayed with a family that i met in a certain place or i can't even imagine going away and for six months by myself now it would be it would be so different well, I do. Some of this is making me think about mission trips, about church mission trips, which I have a very ambivalent relationship with. And honestly, my, my um, sort of current beliefs about mission can be rather controversial. So I'll kind of leave those at the door. But for some people, it is a way of recreating that footloose, young, scrappy travel as mm. um, privileged adults. And it's hard to get people to see through like are you going to be here as a tourist of another country's poverty or war or are you going to be here to do something else and what else can you actually do when i went to college uh, i went to university of wisconsin madison and i was and i went as a working class kid of immigrant parents and many of the friends i wound up having were middle class or upper middle class folks who had traveled around the world and worked on kibbutzes and, you know, uh, just been everywhere. And so I got it in my mind and more than pop culture, that's what made me think I need to travel. I want to be like these folks. I don't want to be kind of the working class kid who doesn't see the world. And so it took me a while before I could have enough money to do that, but it was a big priority. And one of the first things I did was, um, I moved to Prague in 1991 with the intention of teaching English, because that was that was the hot place to go then, at least on our campus. It was the Iceland of 1991. If you will. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> going to Iceland. I don't know. I don't know whether it's in your Facebook feed, good listener, but all of my friends are going to Iceland. What's the totally. deal? All right, go recruit. Totally. 
And so I, I saved up as much, you know, all the money I could over a year and a half. And I finally bought a ticket and I went there and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> the, the, the woman who said she would be my contact person, she felt it fell through disastrously. I was there like two nights and she said, I really need my space and I need you to move out. And she didn't help me find a job at her school. She's like, well, just go to the school and ask around. And it was, it failed miserably. And I had no, I'd never been anywhere except to visit family in Mexico with my family. So I was out there and I was depressed because I wasn't making it happen and I didn't know what to do. And I was so humiliated. And so I'm at this youth, youth hostel. Did you meet Graham at the youth hostel? <laughs> no. I might have actually. No. You might have. No, no. Oh, no I was no. sleeping on the train. Oh, you were. Oh, oh sorry. Yeah. You were on the. Oh, Graham didn't need a bed. I'm sorry. I didn't need, need a bed. bed. That's right. He was young. Oh, that's just Southies sleeping beds. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I go. I go to this youth hostel, and you know, I met a few people, and we traveled a little bit together, but. I remember one night, one guy pulls out a guitar and we all just kind of started singing songs and they knew some English songs and they sang Imagine by John Lennon and then they started playing, they're like, oh, do you know this song? And they started playing Take Me Home Country Roads by John Denver. (laughs) And I started singing it. I started You burst into tears, yeah. (laughs) It was so embarrassing. (laughs) I mean, come on, these foreigners. I'm like, take me home, country road. <laughs> this accent. And, then, and they're like, oh, what's wrong? <laughs> I just, I'm miserable. While we've been talking, I've also thought about a travel book I really like that I've mentioned on, that's been mentioned on this show before. And it's the, that book, Lamb, The Gospel According to Biff, Jesus's Best oh. Friend. And, right. you know, that was well-researched and that filling the gap between age 13 in the Bible and 30 for Jesus. Yeah. And it's a journey to go find the wise men in their foreign destinations, where they are. I and mean, it's a total travel log book of, of let's go see what the Himalayas are like. and Let's go to India and let's go to these places because in seeking and in traveling, you then start to see the influence on Jesus's ministry when he returns and then begins his couch surfing all over the, <laughs> you know, the all over the ancient Middle East and staying with people and who he runs into at the well and who he meets along the way and and these stories that get saved from that. And particularly like weird stuff that happens when he gets out of bounds. Like the, you know, the Seraphonician woman, like weird stuff happens to him when he gets like just outside the borders, just outside the boundaries of Israel and then comes back. I was thinking about Jesus when we were talking too, because in a way, like the gospels are a travel log. I mean, he's mm-hmm. on the move, but also he's sticking pretty close to home. Like he's not in Nazareth anymore, but he's still yeah, in the, the same... cliff and the running off the cliff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, nothing good can come from here. Sorry. But, so he's on the move. So that's something, but also he is kind of digging down into his place and his people more broadly. It's kind of both. You know, we started out with the question of how did pop culture uh, influence your, your travel or changed your life or made you think of other places? When you think about a pilgrimage, right, you're, you're, you have a sacred intention that causes you to go from one place to another uh, probably not knowing what will become of you but trying to be open to the experience and uh, some sort of transformation. Is there anything that you've done in your travel life or even in your relocation 
uh, to another place like Liz to Omaha that has been uh, that has felt like pilgrimage to you? Well, I travel constantly in my ministry, but I travel within the same 80,000 square miles, you know, or so in Nebraska. And it has completely framed the way that I think of my life as a Christian and my ministry, this idea of being in motion and kind of being on the road and um, traveling lightly. And the the parts of the gospel where Jesus sends out the disciples, I travel with my bishop. So there is a sense of being sent out two by two, like that really, it feels like we're two disciples, like on this journey together. But um, every time in that reading, when Jesus says, you will take no purse, and like, I love a good purse. You know, I, I have not figured <laughs> clutch. Nice clutch. I, yeah. so cross body. Yeah. Jesus said you can take a clutch, but not a right. purse. Like I constantly overpack. You know, that feels like a spiritual thing. Like I need to learn how to let go. That when Jesus says, um, eat, eat whatever is put before you. And I'm all like, how much fat is in that potato casserole? Like you can't, you have to, there's something. Yum. Right there, you know, Jesus is really inviting us to live lightly as disciples, and the there's a to me there is a travel aspect of that, not a tourist aspect, but a kind of going where you're called, and being there with integrity and being fully present wherever you are, not being tied to objects or stability or you know whatever it is, and being completely um, dependent on the hospitality of others. I'm thinking about Paris. I've, we've been to, William and I have been to Paris twice and I've always wanted to see it. It's like the place I've most wanted to see in my life, maybe after like London. We went and I, t- I had taken art history in college and I knew about the post-impressionists and the impressionists and Monet and all of that. And going to those museums, you know, the Musée d'Orsay and the Louvre and the L'Orangerie or whatever the heck it's called, and seeing that art and remembering my college days when I just thought, this is a whole world I know nothing about. It's the late 1800s. It's all these artists that came together and started seeing the world in this kind of pointillist or abstract or impressionistic way. There's a resonance. I I don't want to call it religious because I don't want to sort of be too... um, I don't know, broaden with that term, but it felt kind of sacred to go to these museums and see this artwork that I had seen for years and years and be in the places where these people were and to feel that kind of resonance through time, I guess. Not that I was going to go out and paint anything, but that, I I don't know, like for some people, Paris is you go to the nightclubs and dance all night long or you drink and all of that. But for me, it's the museums and the churches and little bit the food, but just remembering where people walked. This is Hemingway drank at this cafe. And, you know, you kind of, it's weird, but it works for me. It's like, he did. I'm going to have a coffee here. I'm going to have a cafe latte. And Hemingway sat at that table <laughs> over there. And somehow it, it makes my life feel fuller. And maybe that's sort of the gift of culture. So when I was traveling around the country on the Greyhound, and I went to New York City, which was like the, that was the, the ultimate, was to be in New York. And just think, this was 1970, this was 1980. So it was right at the end, of, you know, right the 70s and in, in New York and gritty. And, and I remember walking around the city all day and ending up in Times Square, uh, near Times Square, you know, around, you know, in, in the early hours of the morning. I didn't have a place to stay in New York. I was going to sleep at Port Authority bus station. Ooh. And so 
And I and the, the place that I wanted to go to and see most of all was Studio 54. <laughs> not, I've been not, waiting till we come to this moment. Go for it. Not obviously not to go in because I was well, I was you know 18 and couldn't go in there anyway. Of course, I couldn't afford to, and they wouldn't have let me in. But uh, but I I remember going there and just standing outside. And I'm like, oh my god, it's Studio 54. Warhol goes there. Grace Jones goes there. Liza Minnelli. Goes, I'm like, this was like it was just it was the the place that I was most excited about seeing in New York was Studio 54. And I stood outside for a while just to see who was going in and what was going on. And I and this is no lie, but some the, the, that that night. Some guy in like shorts and roller skated by me uh, on the streets at like one o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, "Oh my god, this is like everything I thought New York was going to be." He's just covered in <laughs> glitter. He was just he was just shining under those streetlights. It was it was like it was just really it was I, I don't know that was to, like I know that pilgrimage is is a stretch, yes. but like that was the the culmination of my day in New York was to go to Studio Fifty Four and just look at it. Yeah. And then I went and slept at the Port Authority. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I have stood outside a closed Slane Castle in Ireland because that's where you two recorded Incredible <laughs> Fire. And so it was, it was not open. It, there was no roller skating. There was nothing cool <laughs> happening. I just remember it was it was not open to the public. But I just needed to go to be there yeah. to stand in the presence. And this pay is homage. Where they broke yeah. the bowl in that room on that album, you know, whatever, you know, like, yeah. oh, you know. Yeah. 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 There are those places, those swoon, those swoon worthy kind of places where you kind of just to be there. And it's, I think for me, when I think about travel FOMO now, you know, the fact that I've, I've never been to Israel, I've never been, I haven't gone. Have you gone, Ricardo? Uh uh-uh, uh, but I want to go. Have you, have you gone, Graham? Yes, I've been Okay, have you gone, Liz? No, and I'm not particularly interested. Okay, fine. I'm not even talking to you anymore. So, but, <laughs> but, like, you don't like Jesus, Liz? I love Liz? Jesus. I can't explain why I don't have this thing that you all have. <laughs> all right, I'm really glad we've established this. It's taken many 88 episodes. <laughs> Whatever. No, like... Like, I, I feel, I don't know. Like, I, I really, I, and maybe Liz, some of it is ambivalence. I want to go. Every, all the travel there feels like it has an agenda of some variety. Yeah, that's partly why I don't I think like. is some of my issue. But, you know, one of my favorite documentaries that I like to show my biblical studies kids, my sophomores, who are kind of in that concrete thinking mind, is Walking the Bible with Bruce, Bruce Phelan. And he's so good and it's this great pbs documentary and some of the travel is not even possible anymore with what's going on in syria and so he kind of tries to map the bible and go to these places and find them and all that kind of fun interesting stuff but that idea of kind of going to the dome of the rock and walking on the steps and kind of being in the places and what things hold like it's that part of me that like oh i really kind of kind of wish i'd i've 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 done that or I've done that. It may, and I'll, it'll happen when it's going to happen yeah. I think is kind of where I am with it. But I do my, the, my concrete brain kind of does want to say, Oh, this is Bethany. Bethany 
and Studio 54, to my mind, have oh, something bring in common. <laughs> Roller skating, glittery <laughs> men. No, um, that, that sense of having a longing to be in a place and see a place that you've heard about before. So you make this pilgrimage, if you will. You make this travel experience happen. You get there, and I almost feel like with Graham, like you looked at it from the outside. It's like you got to experience it, but not quite. It wasn't exactly maybe how you thought about it in your head, but you sort of touched it. You know, you get to touch, you know, the 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 black madonna statue at montserrat north of barcelona where i was earlier this year but you don't get to experience you know being there mm-hmm. well and i think yeah, too, we've grazed against the travel shows yeah know? i think some of why we've thought about this is yes it's summer but also the the death of anthony bourdain and and yep. um there are people that are really encouraging us to do travel as an intentional act to to mm-hmm. challenge and alter and change ourselves. Absolutely. I would, I would like to leave you with two quotes from the late Anthony Bourdain. Mm-hmm. Travel changes you. As you move through this life and this world, you change things slightly. You leave marks behind, however small. And in return, life and travel leaves marks on you. Most of the time, those marks on your body or on your heart are beautiful. Often, though, they hurt. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then this one, he says, I wanted kicks, the kind of melodramatic thrills and chills I'd yearned for since childhood, the kind of adventure I'd found as a little boy in the pages of my tin tin comic books. I wanted to see the world and I wanted the world to be just like the movies. Well, I just want to say, Ricardo, you just country roaded me. I'm like, yeah. Don't mm. up up, Ricardo. Yes. It's not being sung Good. by some young Croat boy on a guitar. <laughs> 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 well, years ago, I joined the show in Clayton Repertory. We showed in every little town and every single state. We hadn't any money, we were only out for glory. But every actor in the troupe knew how to catch a freight. When we left New York, we took the freight to go to Philly. The train pulled up at Newark and the Carter's riding free. A brutal copper on the beat came in and beat me silly. Oh, I really must admit he made an awful crap of me. When I got on another train, I had another battle. My back was nearly broken and my arms were full of kings. The car that I was riding on was full of Texas cattle. They pulled me all around the car and stuck me for the drink. set it up. Went okay. To and when I woke okay, now we come to the city. part of the show where we do our staff pick. And you know what that is. You go to the stores that don't exist anymore, like Blockbuster, and um, you look at the shelves. Trader Joe's has these, and you see what the staff recommends for you. And so our staff has a pick, specifically Betsy. Betsy, what is your staff pick this week? So, so this summer, Ricardo, I've lived in a state of heightened paranoia. Uh, speaking perhaps you know people dropping information to me through you know thumbtacks on boards and coffee houses and you know trying to pass me information because i have these two shows that i hear over and over again these recommendations like every summer when i'm off school i binge one or two things and so i really went for homeland hardcore claire danes Carrie Matheson, I've developed a whole game around the show of cliches of like when Carrie's the only one with the answer, when Carrie goes off her meds, when Carrie has to get rid of her kid for a little while. When, and actually, in terms of like travel shows, like I find myself looking up like where were they filming to make this look like 
you know, Caracas? Where were they filming to make this look like, you know, all the different places? Because that's a show the lens is really pulled back. And wherever they're filming, whether it's Berlin or whatever, is also kind of in the show and all of that. Mm. But um, so I, I've made it through and I've caught up on that before its final season. Wow. And then I just really went for it. And now I'm watching The Americans back oh when, God. you know, blockbuster video stores actually existed. And Graham was standing outside Studio 54. But <laughs> like it's I love the kind of time hop of it. And you're in this, you know, other time in this 80s saturation and like the time of my growing up, like being a kid born in the early 70s. You know, they and that whole idea, they're living among us and you don't even know it. Like all of that while trying to have a character driven show. So. I'm really hopeful that I'm able to trust people, I think is my main thing at the end of the summer. Will I be able to not think everyone's a double agent? So those those are my recommendations. I'm like, go for it. You can stream uh, Americans on Amazon Prime if you have that. And then uh, I am a Hulu subscriber. I've held tight on Hulu and they now have a deal with Showtime. So you can watch, you can watch Showtime shows like, uh, like uh, Homeland on Hulu if you're a subscriber. So there you go. Great. Thank you, Betsy. Those shows, are, aren't they really stressful to watch? They are. I binged Homeland. Homeland, um, there was almost a point at Jimbo Convention, I yeah. had to take a break. It's intense. Great. Thank you. So, yes, so watch with, uh, watch but pace yourself, perhaps. That's right. Pace. Pace. You can find Popping Collars on the web at poppingcollarspodcast.com. You can also find us on all the social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and just about anywhere else that is now taking your privacy and selling it to other countries. Just type in <laughs> popping collars in the search bar. That's a holdover joke from last time. And of course, you can get our podcast at all the usual podcasting apps, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, etc. Remember to show your support for our show. By purchasing one of our fabulous t-shirts, our fabulous t-shirts will make you the envy of all your friends. Just go to poppingcollarspodcast.com slash t-shirts. That's poppingcollarspodcast.com slash the letter T hyphen S-H-I-R-T-S. Just in case you were wondering. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Finally, you can find our show and lots of other wonderful Episcopal podcasts on EpiscopalCafe.com. We adore EpiscopalCafe.com, and we know you will as well. Check them out for all your Episcopal news needs and all the news needs you never knew you needed. And on that tongue-twisting note, this has been uh, Popping Collars. Thank you, Betsy. Thank you, Liz. And thank you, Graham, for coming on the show. We will see you next time. And keep those collars popped. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.